We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to another edition of the Budding Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Rivero. My co-host, Johnny Gomez, is in Taiwan. So I'm here with managing editor Derek Ciapala. Derek, the last time, or since the last time you've been on the show, the Rams have won six real football games and a couple preseason games. So that's nice, right? Absolutely. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it compared to where we've been in the last, you know... 15 years i'll take it yeah. yeah it's it's very nice to be talking about a winning team and not just voice well we i guess we voice our frustrations but compared to what they used to be it's just so much smaller and insignificant compared to just basically every position on the depth chart needing help uh but before we get into this week six victory um let's give a shout out to where you can follow us you can follow us on itunes soundcloud stitcher play iHeartRadio, google play android player fm spotify and if you're following us on itunes 
Derek, you want to tell them about the contest we're still running? Oh, well, it's been running since I think before you were born. Um, folks, <laughs> hey, we are we are doing the best we can to raise awareness for our iTunes. We're trying to go up the charts, and so we've been offering this gift card, a $75 gift card. We bumped up the uh, the money for it. And we're, if we can get 100 five-star reviews, we're going to pick out one of those reviews and send you a gift card over to NFLShop.com where hopefully you'll buy some RAM stuff. I mean, it's going to be RAM stuff, right? I would hope so. so. I subscribe, uh, leave a review. We'd really appreciate it, and it would uh, mean a lot to us as well. Let us know how we're doing. Hopefully it's a five-star review. Hopefully we've, we've earned that from you. If not, um, blame Steve or, or blame me. I mean, I usually could blame for the marble mouth anyway. So, <laughs> well, to be honest, I think, um, the anonymous nasally voice person was me because sometimes I come into my segments pretty loud. I, I heard you read that one on the pod this week, but, um, yeah. Oh, well, uh, some, I kind of sway a lot when I'm talking, so I don't know if my microphone catches me properly all the time, but anyways, we got a good show for you today. I'm going to get my resident 49ers fan on later on in the show we're going to talk about the Niners preview and some other general NFL stuff but without Johnny I didn't want to talk about the Rams week six victory by myself now Derek I know you had talked about this on obviously the post game pod with Norm but you know I, I need someone to run my thoughts by I want to talk about the defense first and I think they look pretty solid for the most part in week six the run defense especially played very well although Denver did not run the ball like at all maybe that's why they didn't run the ball was because we were playing so well which I like to believe but to me for some reason I got nervous basically every time Case Keenum dropped back to pass and I shouldn't have gotten nervous because he didn't look very good and he's not very good but it felt like we were getting beat a lot on defense in this game, even though when it came down to it, we ended up stopping them more often than not. We held, we held them when it mattered. Uh, we did force a couple three and outs when we needed to, but I just want to get a sense from you on how you felt about the defense in this game overall and just kind of moving forward after what we've seen for six weeks. Defensively, I thought the running defense was, was much better. I thought that uh, they weren't completely to where we want them to be, and also I don't, they weren't tested enough to know for sure how improved they are the moment Denver started you know to really kind of pound the running game they went away from it what does concern me is the pass defense the secondary it's just not where we want to be. and they're giving up too many deep passes that's what my biggest concern is the rams will go digging dunks all day long they'll do that it's the deep stuff that bothers me it's finding emmanuel sanders out there wide open and troy troy hill not being there the way he should be or you know some of the just some of the coverages overall bothered me quite a bit and it it's not how do I say this? The Rams know Case Keenum. They know what he can do. They know his arm. They know a whole ton about him. And yet, two years in a row now, he's really hurt them. And, and this time, it almost cost him a win. It did cost him a win last time. And so, at some point here, they got to cover guys. They really have to cover guys. It's not like the Rams are getting a whole lot of, in terms of sacks. They're getting pressure. We know they're getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback. We know they're getting pressure from, but they're not quite getting to the quarterback right now. And if you can't get there, it's it's all it's a game of a lot of almost. And a lot of times, those almost equal big plays, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I'm with you. I it, the the secondary was frustrating, and obviously without Talib, it's it's tough to really count on Sam Shields and obviously Troy Hill to provide the production that we saw from a guy like a keep a keep Talib through the 
the couple games he played. But I think Marcus Peters, while he, he seems like he is kind of getting his mojo back to a degree, he's been slightly frustrating over the last couple weeks, not particularly this game. Troy Hill, who I thought played pretty well, not this week, but last week, did not follow it up with a good performance. I think he, he got picked on a lot in this game. And it's it, it does get frustrating because we do have, as you mentioned, that really, really good strong pass rush at least in theory with guys like donald and sue and and brockers and they do they do get pressure but case keenum i know he threw 41 passes but still him being able to throw for 322 yards and two touchdowns against this defense it doesn't leave a good taste in my stomach and we have a matchup against the 49ers that should not be very challenging for the defense and i think they need to come into that game knowing that they need to get those, their mojo back because Aaron Rodgers is coming up soon. And we let Case Keenum have a good day against us. We, I know Russell Wilson is obviously very good and Kirk Cousins is too. But with, with Rodgers coming up on the schedule, I, I want to see just a great performance by the pass defense next week. And I know we should because he's not a great quarterback in Berthard over there in San Francisco. But... I think they need that. I think this passing defense really just it needs to get a victory like that. I think it does. I think also you can't look past the 49ers. They've already they're putting up points on the Packers on Monday Night Football. We're taping this on Monday night, and uh, it's 24-20 at halftime last night. I looked, and Bethard's just throwing all over the Packers. A Packers team that went and just totally hooked up their secondary this offseason, and they're getting drilled out there. So you can't look past the 49ers. It's a third straight Rams road game. It's a rivalry game. And for whatever reason, even though Garoppolo's out, the 49ers at 1-4 and four are still competitive at 1-4. and four. You can't look past them. The Rams are due at some point. They're going to lose. And, I, man, I would hate to see it happen in San Francisco. Yeah, Mar- Marquise Goodwin, he's got two touchdowns right now. And one was for 30 yards, one was for 67. And I know our friend Marcus Peters likes to – he likes to go for it sometimes on, on big plays, trying to make big plays, and that seeing those stats from Goodwin, who is more than likely going to be shadowed by Marcus Peters, it is a little concerning. And as you mentioned, it has all the makings of a trap game, as of the Seattle game two weeks ago. But I hope they don't look past them, and I don't think they will. I think McVay's smarter than that. And even if we were, we come back to the table next week with another, this was a tough game, they snuck out of it, is there concerns? Three straight row games is hard, no matter who the opponents are. And especially if two of them are in the division, all three are in tough environments. San Francisco fans, they show out. I really would like to see a blow next week for the Rams. I think they, they kind of need it. They need to get that mojo. It's weird saying that when they're 6-0, and but I think really they need they do need that as we're coming into the, the brute of this schedule before the bye week in the next couple weeks after that game with a string of games, Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, Kansas City. They need to take care of business in San Francisco So, as much as I want them to win every game so they could not worry about if they lose a game in that four-week four stretch, they'll be in good position to take over or continue to keep the one seed. And, yeah, we need to see a win there. But we'll get, we'll get more on the 49ers later on the show. But there was a thing that... I wanted to bring up, and I'm not sure if I believe it, but 
this week was the coldest game the Rams have played over the past two years. And I say the past two years because that is the period of time where we've seen Jared Goff be successful. And this was probably the one of the worst games he's had during that stretch. Definitely the worst of the season. I'd have to really dig into it to decide if it was the worst that he's had over the past few years. And even with that, he still he didn't you know make a ton of mistakes in terms of turning the ball over, but he had an interception. But he just missed a lot. He was fourteen for twenty eight. It's a fifty percent completion rate. Not great. Two hundred yards. Obviously, Todd Gurley kind of carried the load here as he should have. I think we all thought that. He should have gotten the ball a little more, which is crazy considering he ran 28 times with 28 yards. But do you think if the you know the talking heads come out, if this happens to Goff again and come out with the Jared Goff can't play in the cold argument, do you think that could hold any weight? I think it takes more than one bad game in the environment to do that. I think it'll take a couple. And to be honest, this is why the Rams took him. If you remember way back during the whole draft process, you know, Jared Goff told him, come, it's raining out here. Come look at me. Come watch me throw. So he's not afraid of it. I, what, the truth is they played a very good pass-rushing defense on Sunday. And it was the first defense we've seen make Jared Goff uncomfortable, truly uncomfortable since probably the Jaguars game last year. And you know that, that you can see it. You can see it in how he moved in the pocket. He got, he got nervous. He, he threw the ball late sometimes. He threw the ball early sometimes. He got antsy. He was inaccurate in the run when he's been much more accurate for a while now. And I don't really deem that in the weather. The weather, I'm sure, always plays a role, especially when you're not used to playing there. But the bigger thing to me, uh, those guys are – that's Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller chasing him around. He was running for his life, and he feels the pressure. And so that's what I would see as the real issue with Jared Goff. And if people are going to make an argument that about whether or not this, it's about the weather, man – this guy played a cow, man. He played in rain all the freaking time. He's making trips up to Oregon and, and Washington State and Washington and, and bad weather. I don't really buy that. I, what I buy is you're running for your life against Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. That's just the bottom line for me is, you know, it, and they still won. The Rams still rolled up 446 total yards. So, I no, I'm not going to buy that. No, I don't think I am either. And the good news is the only potential cold-weather game we're going to play this season is in Chicago in December. And assuming that we can continue to hold on to first place, and to be honest, in the NFC, it seems likely that we're going to have a buy and we're going to have home field. And the teams that are going to be competing for home field advantage throughout the playoffs – not cold weather teams. Chicago, Minnesota, Chicago, maybe Minnesota plays inside. I I can't imagine Green Bay being the one seed. You know, it's really us. Probably New Orleans are the only two teams at this moment. I could see it's taking the overall number one. Obviously, things change. It's a long season, but I don't think we're really going to have to revisit this conversation unless he goes into Chicago and it's snowing or cold and he has another bad game. But I think you're right, and it's it's more on Denver's defense, which they have a, a very good pass rush. Obviously, it's Von Miller, and Bradley Chubb was due for a nice breakout game here. And you know what? Jerkoff has played unbelievable this year. I think he's allowed to have a bad game. It's It came in week six after five pretty phenomenal games 
including obviously a very, very one of the best quarterback performances of the year, if not the best against Minnesota. He's young. I think he's allowed to have it. And yeah, I'm not really worried about it. And even if he can't play in the cold, which I don't think is true, I don't think it'll really matter much. Well, well it, but you know, that just about that Chicago game, there's a really good chance that game was flexed. Yeah. If it's flexed, that's, that's going to be at night in Chicago. Ugh, that's not going to be fun. And that game, to me, earlier in the year, one, the Bears always get the Rams problems, always. And then B, it's just tradition. The Rams just always seem to have problems with the Bears. But uh, cold weather, windy city, that, that, that could be a problem for any quarterback, let alone Jared Goff. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't put too much weight in it. Yeah, I'm as of now planning on going to that game. So I'm hoping it's not freezing so I don't have to turn into an icicle out there. But I think we'll be okay. And I went to a Rams-Bears game 2012, and we got destroyed, and the Bears were not very good. So that – I'm with you. We, they always give us trouble, and I just hope we can get a win against them. And I hope it's not that cold so we don't have to come back to this argument. All right. We need to talk about – this is something that I, I don't remember if you guys touched on your show, but I don't think you did. Obviously, you talked about Cooper Cup's injury. He It turns out he has a sprained MCL, and he's most likely going to miss some times. Doug Baldwin had a similar injury. He missed about three weeks, maybe four. I, I can't remember, but it was around that the three- to four-week time frame is reasonable, and I hope they can let Cup get healthy. We don't need to throw him out there if he's not 100%. It's a long season. But we need to talk about his replacement, Josh Reynolds, who – while he had one okay game filling in for Cooks and Cup um, against Seattle, the two plays that stand out for me from Josh Reynolds' season are him putting in no effort to catch Johnny Hecker's deep ball and him getting popped in the face and causing an interception. So I want to know on a scale of 1 to 10, if Cup were to miss some times, which I think we need to expect at least he's going to be out for this week, how confident are you that Josh Reynolds can hold down the fort? Yeah, six out of ten. Six out of ten. He he's shown enough here and there to where I think he'll be all right. But what I think could happen, and Sean McVay got asked about this today during his press conference, is will they just move Robert Woods to that, to that slot and then put somebody else up there in the end? I think that's what's more likely to happen. So that's where they, they put Woods in there and maybe put Reynolds on the outside. And that's that's actually more suited to where Reynolds' skill set is. Reynolds is not built to be an over-the-middle guy, a slot guy. Woods is much more – well, he's he's got a broader skill set. He's got the ability to play on the outside, play on the inside. And I would expect more of that than anything else. So I'm not worried about Josh Reynolds. I think he's shown us enough, especially getting some first-team reps this week. He'll be all right. I'm going to go for – and I think it's more of a four because of what you mentioned with Robert Woods moving to the inside. And I think him and Cooks are so versatile. They can do so much. It's going to be less about Reynolds getting targets and more about them getting more targets, including Todd Gurley as well. We'll probably get a little more work in the passing game with these guys out. Hopefully we see a little bit of Gerald Everett too, who is – he still looked raw, but I do want to see him continuing to get – worked in I, I don't know what it is about Reynolds man and I'd like to see him get a chance on the outside as you mentioned really playing into his environment starting 
um, against in a matchup against San Francisco, that would probably be a good game to, for him to get a real start in. But I just I haven't seen it, man. I I haven't seen I've seen things that make me think he's a good backup, a good fourth receiver. But having to rely on him for a full game, he he just hasn't shown me enough. And I know the the interception that he caused this week wasn't entirely his fault, but it definitely leaves a bad taste in anyone's any fan's mouth when you see your player get hit in the face with a pass because a you're looking at the ball, b the ball is being thrown right at you, and c you don't make a reaction enough so that the ball hits you in the face full force and bounces into the air. I mean, I don't know, man. He, I, a lot of people are still high on this guy to a degree. I know you're not as high on him as everyone else, but I don't know, man. I just, I have seen nothing from him to make me believe that, that he has any chance of being a productive NFL wide receiver. I, I feel like I've seen more from Kaderil Hodge and that's like one preseason game. And I, I'm not saying I'm a believer in him either. I think Reynolds should be the guy that starts. But I don't know, man. I, it's tough for me to have any confidence in this guy. But I do have confidence in the system and the other guys to pick it up and forgot to get everyone else more involved more than getting Reynolds involved, if that makes sense. Yeah, but let me back up a little bit here too. When was the only time – when have you really seen Reynolds perform badly before this game? I don't know. I think he could have caught that pass from Hacker a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, I mean, that's one pass, okay? And the, the the play with the interception was bang bang. He's on the sideline. It's a lot of things could happen there. Do I think he could have done better? Absolutely. But going back to the week four with both with both uh, Woods and Cup out, sorry, Cooks and Cup out, he's making plays in the middle there. He's going. He's not a, an across the middle kind of guy. But they're still running plays for him there. Every time I've seen them put him in a position to be successful, he's been successful. I think what the Rams have to do is find his role, put him in, keep him in that role, and just throw the ball. I don't really think it's – I don't think he's done anything to warrant not being confident in him. Now, he goes out another couple games here and do, does a lot of the same dumb stuff, then sure. But why are we going to give him less room – for making mistakes when Cooper Cup was dropping passes left and right parts parts of the year last year. And we love this guy. I mean, well, are I you forgetting this? I mean, no. You, I mean, are you forgetting this? I mean, Cooper Cup, not. Football is a long game, but he did essentially lose us a game one week last year with a major drop. But, no, I, I think there were so many positives from Cup. That you know, you kind of forgave the negatives. It was more, more or less rookie mistakes, and this year he's had less drops. At least I believe I haven't, I haven't seen any noticeable drops. But he had one. one. But it, but go back to even with Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds last year has an injury at some point as well. He's behind the eight ball. Other guys are are taking roles in the team, and now this year it it costs you time. Once people establish themselves on the roster. That's it's done, okay. And you gotta find a way to make you get time. The only way you get time now is if somebody gets hurt. So him getting hurt last year is still affecting him now. And I'm not so I'm not sure that it's fair to try and say, well, he did, hasn't been on the field enough for this. Look who he's playing behind. Look who he's playing behind. Yeah. He makes one. He's it's one drop, you know. And he yes. I mean, eh, 
he could have he could have made a better move on the Hecker play, sure. But I think a couple more weeks, and, and it's looking what two, MCL is what two to four weeks sometimes, two to four weeks for an MCL sprain. Yeah. So we'll find yeah, out real so. quick if he can do it. We'll find out real quick, and and I think we'll be. I think what we should expect is a guy who makes some plays and misses a couple plays. Yeah, and I think the, um, a full week of practice with the starters, which he's going to get. I'm sure he got some reps last week too, but give him a full week with the starters. Let, As you mentioned, hopefully we let him play the outside. We we don't need to force him into the slot when we have more versatile players that can do it. And let's see what he's got. You know, I'll, I'll go into this with an open mind as, as much as I'm – kind of out on him in a way i'm not fully out like he's our fourth receiver i think he can be a more than capable fourth receiver but i would like to see him get it make some plays here in the start and hopefully i don't notice him when he's most of the game because he won't be messing up and then when his number is called upon maybe he makes some plays in there yeah, yeah. that's what i'm hoping for <laughs> all right um, <laughs> that's all i got that's all i'm hoping for <laughs> yeah Derek, before we we let you go, you got this is probably the last time you get to talk about this incredible, riveting game against the Broncos. You, you got any final thoughts here? Well, the, the incredible. I think when I I just had a brief debate on on Facebook with somebody who I, who I hope was a listener. They said, you know how the Rams offense played poorly yesterday. I don't think the Rams offense played poorly. I think the Rams offense. Uh, made some mistakes, but they still rolled up over 440 yards. And, you know, Gurley went up for over 200. The Rams the ran for 270 yards almost. So for those folks who are down the Rams offense, I, A, you're on the road, you're playing in Denver, you're playing in elevation, you're playing in cold weather, and you're playing against a defense that has some players. Denver should be, in my view, a playoff contender. I really – they have the talent to do it. There's gaps in the roster – but they have the talent, especially on the edge and in the secondary, to cause a lot of problems. And we saw that. The Rams uh, faced some really strong coverage in this game, and the pass rush was outstanding. So, you know, for those folks who are down in the game, the Rams still won the game. And they got a lot of injuries, and they still won this game. And there was never a point in this game where they were down, was there? I don't think so. So, you know, I, I just look at this and go, let it go. You're going to have some close games. Kansas City went in Denver a couple weeks ago and almost almost got beat too. They won 27-23. They, they had a comfortable lead for most of the game. They were up 20-3 at one point, and then obviously Denver made a little run there to close out the game. But for the most part, even though it didn't, it felt like kind of closer than it actually was for most of the game, this game was pretty well in hand. And I will say this. I know you mentioned it on your podcast, and I talked about it last week. I did bring up the possibility of Todd Gurley breaking the single-game rushing record, but from what I remember from that podcast, I more realistically brought up him looking at his career high in rushing yards and saying to McVay, we got to break this this week. And he broke it by about 50 yards, I maybe 50 on the dot, actually. Was it 158 before this? He ran I'm not sh- off the top of my head. I'm not sure. I know he's got it now. 208. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was high 150s. I can't remember the third number, but yeah. I, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little here because I kind of called that. I don't think I outright said it, but I think I more or less implied that's what I was thinking. So yeah. I'm going to take my pat on the back there. <laughs> All right, Derek, uh, we will let you go and we will get to 
the 49ers talk and some more general NFL talk with my buddy Tejas. Derek, thanks for coming on. All right, take it easy. All right, before we move on, let's give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. I know most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams, but if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch, you got to check out Jim Hawk's book. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who played it was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, Les Richter, and this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Everyone, this book is worth every penny for any Rams fan out there, but it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacies left behind. Again, folks, trust me, check it out. Hollywood Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, we have a very special guest with us tonight. My co-host from my other podcast, Tejas and Lil Stevie, originated on Marquette Radio while we were in college my friend who begged me to let him read the ad, but I'm not letting him do it. We got Big Tejas, Chris Steiner in the house. How you doing, brother? Glad to be here, little Stevie. Or I guess, are you Steve on this show? I, I should tell you. I also kind of get called little Stevie on this show, so we're good. You can call me whatever you want. Okay. I, I was impressed with your ad read. I actually think you did a much more phenomenal job than I did. <laughs> no. you, you slayed. Chris did a mock ad read to try and let me let him read the ad and it was very good but i i had to do it myself but thank you i appreciate the kind words all right so a big part of chris and i's podcast is we talk nfl so with johnny out in taiwan i figured this is the perfect time to get a little tejas and little stevie reunion on butting heads so chris i want to get your perspective you're living out in la you are not a rams fan though you are a 49ers and cowboys fan i'm not sure what your number one priority is these days but I want to get your perspective on the Rams in both A, how you feel about the team right now, and B, how your reaction is about the buzz around the Rams in the city, given that you have no personal investment in the team. Ooh, okay, well, I'm going to start with your first question, which is kind of how do I feel about the Rams? Sean McVay is the heart and soul of that team, in my opinion. I look at their offense. It's got his hands all over it absolute animal uh you know the play calling is what's really phenomenal if you look at the amount of you know passing plays they run in situations where i think most teams would run the ball i think that really helps differentiate them and the biggest development i think i I thought cooper cup was going to be good this year i think he's exceeded my expectations but robert woods that is not someone who i expected to play the way that he has and he's just lighting it up i actually you know, even though this is a NFL podcast from a fantasy standpoint, he is he is someone you should have on your team or trade for because I think he's going to be dominating the rest of the season. We talk a lot of fantasy on here, so don't you worry. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's, he's a great player in terms of value just because, think about it, you have teams who have to cover Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup. He's going to get a lot of targets. He, he's able to run routes well. Um, I don't know if you, if any of your viewers have listened to Nate Burleson talk, 
But his whole the whole way he was able to stay in the NFL is not because he was able to beat guys because he wasn't that fast. It's all about route running. And, I mean, a great example, not Rams-oriented, but Tyreek Hill has totally worked, totally changed as a player due to his ability to increase his route running. But I believe the second question was in relationship to, you know, what's the scenario like in L.A.? Um, to be honest, I don't live in L.A., L.A. I live in Newport Beach. But um, I think I think the one thing that I have seen is Rams packaging on Bud Lights. <laughs> I've definitely noticed go. that. Um, there are not a lot of football fans down here. Uh, everyone who I talk to could really care less. Uh, I think there's more Chargers fans that I've met in my area. Wow. So... But it's weird. It looks like they're selling out games, or at least that they have people in the stands, which I don't think is something that they had last year. So with that alone, very, very big change. I, I think there's probably a lot more people in L.A. who are invested. But at the same time, it's difficult because the Chargers, I get it. No one likes the Chargers. San Diego hates the Chargers. L.A. hates the Chargers. The only people who like the Chargers are away teams fans because they can go to a game in uh, Southern California and it's you know nice and beautiful all year round. So I think the problem that the Rams have is, yes, they're good. They're the talk of the town. But like the Chargers, they're really good too. And I think, I think that makes it a little bit more difficult to kind of separate themselves. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the kind of the importance of the Rams right now being good especially with the Chargers coming to town and also being good and I've kind of went into detail on this is the time the Rams need to be good because you're getting you're not only planning fans in LA who are going to latch on to a good team it's also like kids like me that became Rams fans when we were little because the Rams were good you're getting fans in the long run you know I'm out I'm out here in New York and when I see the adults, they're always rocking Knicks gear, but you don't see the kids rocking Knicks gear. They're rocking like Steph Curry, LeBron, whoever the most popular players are. And so for the Rams to be able to produce stars right now, especially like the way Todd Gurley's playing, it's huge. And it, I I don't have huge perspective on this because I'm not in L.A. It's been a while since I've been there, but it's a big city. And like it's, I know it's similar to New York where not everybody's going to be super invested in sports. There's obviously fanatical sports fans in L.A., in New York. But you're not going to have the whole city involved. So as long as you could get good attendance at your games, get some buzz going around the city, I think that's all you can really ask for. And I, the Rams' attendance has seemed better this year. It seems like we have home games. And a lot of times over the past two years, we were in a similar boat as the Chargers where it didn't feel like a home game. The Vikings game, there was a lot of Vikings fans there, but kudos to the Rams fans who came out and were loud and by the end of the game were drained out the Vikings fans that were there. It was that was cool to see the the Rams fans kind of get give the Vikings fans, you know, let them know whose house it was. Um but we can move on. We'll get back to the Rams because that, I that brings up a good point though. I was shocked. I could not believe how many Vikings fans were there at that game. Is that typical for Rams away teams, or is that just an outlier? So I think because the Rams are still kind of building their base. You know, the first year we played, um, it was it was a mess with other teams' fans. I feel like we kind of got out out yelled anytime we played a popular team. Last game, I remember the Eagles game specifically, the fans being loud for the other team. But 
I, I think it's just going to take time. And I think when there hasn't been football in a city for so long, you got to think about the amount of transplants that are in LA. Like, you know, you, for example, right. whenever, whenever the Cowboys are there, I'm sure you're going to be there yelling for the Cowboys. And I, there's probably been people in that city that haven't been able to go to a game for a long time. And I'm sure there's plenty of Vikings fans. As we know, there's plenty of Eagles fans. Uh, obviously there's plenty of Raiders fans as we saw with the Chargers game the other week, but it's just, you got to expect that some of the teams that travel a little bit more have more fans. It is kind of crazy that for the Vikings, because Minneapolis is they're a big sports town, but they're not exactly a huge market. There's a lot of Vikings fans, I think around the country. My my dad's a Vikings fan. I I know some Vikings fans that uh, don't have major ties to Minneapolis and that's just a team that I, I think travels well. They got a great fan base and they pack it out wherever they go. For sure. For sure. All right. So we'll get back to the Rams when we do our week seven preview, but we want to talk some general football. Chris, I want to get, if you want me to start, I can, I want to know who your biggest surprise is so far this season. And then we'll get to our biggest disappointments after that. Who biggest surprise can it be – I mean, I guess is that is that – it has to be a positive that we're talking here? Well, you could do biggest disappointment first because that's also a surprise. I, I mean, mean surprise I in a positive the sense. the biggest surprise for me is how bad Jacksonville's been. Yeah, they're my disappointment. I mean, they, they looked so good for – they crushed the Patriots. And they came out – they were 3-1, three and, three and one, and they've just gotten shelled the last two weeks. I know the Chiefs are good, but – no disrespect the Cowboys are not that good they're not good enough to beat the Jags 40 to 7 it's it's crazy two weeks ago I might have picked them to go to the Super Bowl and now they, they they're a mess you know Blake Bortles is back to being Blake Bortles and I'm sure part of it is due to Fournette comp being out they had to change up the whole offense TJ Eldon's fine but Fournette's a bruiser and when he's out you kind of got to work around it and so far they haven't been able to get a good formula to work around it. Yeah, I think I think their big issue is that Blake Bortles can't keep the team on the field. And what happened is you're playing Dallas, whose offense is out there the entire time. It's like the defense is going to pay for that. And people are saying that the defense isn't as good. It's because there's no ball control in offense. And I think the only one to blame is the front office for not paying Kirk Cousins. And you know he's sitting there – I mean, he has to be sitting there in Minnesota thinking, well, first off, how many fumbles is this guy going to have? But second off, like, why didn't I go to Jacksonville? Because if he had gone to Jacksonville, I don't care if they don't have a running back, that team's the best team in the NFL. Maybe maybe the Rams are better, but, um, but they're good. Yeah, and their receiving core is okay, but it's also not that strong. And when Fournette's out, they kind of shift to a more pass-oriented offense. And as a result, they lose the time of possession 39-21 to 21 to Dallas, who plods was Ezekiel Elliott, rightfully so. It's – you can't Let run – tell you, Dallas sucks, okay? <laughs> I don't – they may have beat Jacksonville, and, like, everyone's all hyped now that, you know, oh, they're back, the offense looks good. No wide receivers. You can't win with no wide receivers, and that's kind of I know what they're kicking themselves that they didn't pick Cortland Sutton. I have not been impressed with Van Der Esch. I think it was a terrible choice. They should have taken Cortland Sutton. 
Calvin Ridley, who else? You know, there's so many other wide receivers. Horrible pick. Trash. <laughs> what about Gallup? You don't like him? Horrible. <laughs> Terrible. It, can't, can't do anything. It was kind of a battle of teams with not great wide receivers. Now, Keelan Cole is fine. Westbrook's all right, but... Keelan Cole's great. Yeah. He's all right. It, but the Rams, you know, we have experience with garbage wide receiver cores. And as a result, quarterback struggle. Quarterbacks don't develop because they don't have guys to throw the ball to. Now, I mean, that's not helping Dak, who has struggled after his rookie year. And not having receivers to throw the ball to is not going to help him. Obviously, having Ezekiel Elliott helps a lot. But it's the same thing with Bortles. It's based like... If Zeke were to be go down with an injury right now, I'm not gonna. I'm not wishing that on him. Dallas's offense would be in the same place as the Jags' offense. They'd just be they'd be a total mess, and that that's a team that desperately needs to get Fournette back or just let give Yeldon the ball. I don't I don't think he can run like Fournette does, but they've definitely been a huge huge disappointment, which is crazy because they started out the season exactly how you'd expect with a big statement win against New England, but. Here we are. You did. You did make me think, though. I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal the spot. Actually, biggest surprise before I forget. It's not gonna be a team. It's gonna be a player. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean that team. That offense. Amazing. It, it, it is just. I. I still think they're better than the Patriots. Okay. Like, the Patriots just got so lucky in that game. I think it's total BS. I mean, haven't they played played in New England two years in a row? Yeah, I crazy think you're right. Like, I, why aren't sure they playing that, that but... game in Kansas City? I, I, I'm sorry. Kansas City wins that game in Kansas City. And I think actually New England gets scraped. It, it's weird how that happens because the Rams pl- played the Eagles in L.A. last year and we get them again in L.A. this year. So I don't know how that works with division winners and scheduling. It, it seems like it's just kind of random. But, yeah, I – I think in the long run, the Chiefs are the better team compared to New England. I thought about picking them as my surprise because I thought they'd be good. I thought Mahomes would have a little bit of growing pains. And he's just literally had no growing pains. He's been be- he's way better than Alex Smith was last year. They could actually throw the ball deep. You mentioned Tyreek Hill. He's a beast. They got Rams legend Sammy Watkins out there who, even when he's not really getting the ball, and he doesn't get the ball that much, I feel like, anywhere at this point, but he's just talented enough to where you have to keep an eye on him, and you it forces you to concentrate a really good cornerback on him rather than throwing a ton of bodies at Hill, and that's going to open up things for Hill. Same thing, it's going to open up things for Kelsey. It's going to open up things for Kareem Hunt, who one of the most hit-or-miss players over his rookie, his two years, I feel like. he's seems like the last three weeks he's fin- kind, finally found some consistency, and that's obviously great to see for hunt fantasy owners but i do think they're the second best team in the league right now and barring andy reed fiascos in the playoffs which terrible play calling which we can never rule out with them they're probably going to be the team to be in the afc even even though they lost the patriots and the patriots aren't going anywhere i think they're done i i don't i i don't believe in the patriots I think they have some serious issues on that team. Somehow they've been able to run the ball, but not a fan of that defense. And I know the Kansas City Chiefs also don't have a good defense, but um, 
you know, you don't necessarily need to have that good of a defense uh, playing late in the year in Kansas City. Because with the weather and all that, you know, the offenses are going to struggle. Um, I think that there's such a well-rounded offense that even if it's cold out um, and they can't throw the ball, they'll be able to run the ball. Well, um, the, the Patriots, they've had kind of a bleeding defense. I feel like for the majority of their second dynasty run, obviously they had they had Revis. It was a lot better. But, I mean, they won, la- they won the Super Bowl against Atlanta with not a great defense. They almost beat Philly with a bad... I'm going to say bad defense. They were not good last year. So it's tough. I'm not going to count them out. I think they're more beatable this year than they've been in a while. I I do like Sony Michelle, and I think the running game is going to continue to get better. I think the more reps Josh Gordon gets, theoretically the passing game should improve. They got Edelman. So I think this offense is going to be better, and we kind of saw a glimpse of what they're going to be. Like, offensively, they they look like they should be back to being a juggernaut with how they played against the Chiefs. But I do think the Chiefs to be are to be wow. I think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. My biggest surprise was Cincinnati. Not that it's super surprising that they're four and two, but I feel like last year was the year the time to can Marvin Lewis, and they didn't. And they're kind of just picking up where they left off. They beaten some decent teams Ravens Falcons Miami are all solid teams Indianapolis not great but not bad uh their losses are to Carolina and Pittsburgh who are good um you know their offense is it looks good I I thought this would be the year where we saw serious signs of concern from that whole team from Andy Dalton and we just haven't Dalton 14 and 7 that's fine Mixons look good Bernard looked good when he was out and Tyler Boyd from a man who I drafted in my dynasty fantasy league when he was a rookie and cut him because he wasn't doing anything looking like a hell of a player right now I mean that that team has definitely impressed me I've been shocked by the fact that they haven't just fallen apart I think that whole division has surprised me because did I see Baltimore starting out four and two uh Cleveland almost having the same record as Pittsburgh no way I, I think it's just I'm 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 kind of confused and I think the I think a good question is has Marvin Lewis is he going to have a job next year? I think he has to if they make the playoffs. I mean, if they lose in the first round again, if you don't fire him after last year, but what were they eight and eight? Were they even that they they weren't in the playoffs? But if that if that's not the time to fire him, then if they make the playoffs this year, I don't see how you can fire him because you're it's just if you keep him around after an eight and eight season after that long, you're basically saying yeah. you're sat- you're satisfied with the job he does. And I don't think he's a bad coach by any means, but I think if this relationship had run its course, it would have already had run it. If that makes sense. And the fact that he's still there now, I don't think they're, I think he's got a job for life unless they really just have a horrendous season. I, yeah. I it seems like there's nothing that man could do to get fired. It's, I don't understand it, but it's just that's how it is right now. Yeah, I'm with you, bro. I'm with I, you. I was high on Cleveland, not like super high, but I'm not shocked they're two, three, and one. I'm definitely shocked that they almost have the same record as Pittsburgh. But I mean, if I had to bet money right now, I, that or 
I was going to say that division would have three playoff teams, but I think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. But I think that division will definitely have two at least. Maybe You'll know why the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. They don't even have Joey Bosa yet. Yeah. That offense is good. I I think my MVP so far, rookie MVP, I know they do rookie defensive player of the year and offensive player of the year, Derwin James. Look at the number of sacks he has as a safety, and it just shows you. And and he was someone who I was – I don't know if we did a draft show. I was high on. He he was falling low to – I think it was the 49ers or someone. I'm like, God, please pick him. Please pick Derwin James. I mean – they they've really done a nice job with that defense and to get him just so smart yeah they're a good team i was happy the rams kind of just took care of business in that game pretty not super handily but pretty easily my my cousin's a bucks fan he was furious when they pass on derwin james you mentioned your rookie mvp who who's your actual mvp so far who i give it to patrick mahomes okay i think he you know, you talk about MVP, you think most valuable player. If they don't have him, I don't think you can just – he won them the Broncos game. They don't win that game without him. Um, I think you can make the argument they're not nearly in that game without him against the Patriots. He, he's just got a cannon of an arm. It's like he's just bombing it out. He, he is – in me, he's just an all-around great player. I got to go with the homer pick here. I got to go with Todd Gurley simply because I think he's got 11 touchdowns right now. He's on pace for like 28. There's a chance he closes in on um, LT's record. And I, I mean, if you if he surpasses 25 touchdowns, like Mahomes is obviously going to be a serious candidate. I'm sure – some of these other quarterbacks are going to emerge. Hell, even Jared Goff is a candidate right now. But when you pile up that many touchdowns, I think it's hard to not give an MVP to that guy, especially with his rushing yard totals are going to be high. His total yard totals are probably almost certainly going to be over 2,000. It's just when you're playing on one of the best teams in the league and you're putting up those kind of numbers, it's hard to deny you an MVP. And I think it's been a little bit since we've seen a running back win MVP. I, I think it's about time. I think the only reason why I wouldn't give it to him is because that team is just so well-rounded that I think you could throw any running back back there who can catch the ball, and they'd perform. I think they wouldn't perform at this level, but they would get a lot of touchdowns. I don't know if they they'd would be have... Good. The, yeah, they'd be good. And I, I, that's, I think that was kind of the knock on Zeke early in his career was like, yeah, he's good. Clearly, but Darren McFadden ran for a thousand yards on this team last year. I, I think that's a fair argument. Um, and yeah, you know, we could say a good quarterback would do good in the Chiefs, but we saw a good quarterback last year, and he didn't do half the things Mahomes is doing. But I do think that's I also, a fair criticism. There's, there's. Here's also the other aspect: they have a good defense, so it's like they don't necessarily have to win these games on offense because their defense is going to show up. And actually, sometimes it may even hinder them that their offense is so good because it's keeping the defense on the field so long and they're getting gassed. Yeah. And and one and one hot take for the Rams, actually, just while we're on it, and I, I don't really know if there's a good time to talk about this, is I think they messed up. I think they should have traded for Khalil Mack. Looking back at it, 
you back the truck up. Just looking at how good they are this year, I back the truck up for them. Because if you have Khalil Mack on that current team, they win it. I agree. They made an offer. Uh, It wasn't as – I think they offered a first and a third round pick or something like that. I would have been fine with giving up two first round picks for him, but I don't think, I think the reason they didn't want to pull the trigger on that was because if they extended him, they, their, their contracts would be, their books would pretty much be done. If they gave him the money that he got their their team for the next five, five years would be Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, and just whatever scraps they could find to fill out the rest of the roster, which I mean, it's not that bad if you can draft well around them. But I think that was the reason they were hesitant to not give up more than what they offered, which I got to double check, but I believe it was the first and a third. I think their plan was to just make the deal. And if they can't resign him, don't worry about it. You run it, you run it with this team this year and, you know, kind of go all in, which I do agree with your sentiment. And if they traded for him and extended him and kind of just said, that's it, this is our team, I would have been okay with it. But it's hard to say it was a mistake because they were at least in the conversation. Here's my only thought, and it's going back to one of our first topics. you got to be the first team in L.A. to win. If the Chargers win a Super Bowl before you, you're in trouble. Um, And and again, this is coming like 50-50. I personally thought the Bears gave up way too much. I did not... And I still question whether they're good after that loss to Brock Osweiler. But Khalil Mack is disgusting. That is – we're probably watching one of the greatest football players of all time. Yeah, he's a beast. But I think um, you can't say that they didn't go all in even without doing that trade because – you look at the moves they made. I give up three – from what I've seen from Khalil Mack this season, I give up three first-round picks. Yeah. Yeah, screw it. If screw it, <laughs> if the Rams had a, he's he is literally worth it. And then what you do, honestly, if he played this well for me, I trade Aaron Donald and I give him the money. No, no, calm down. It, that, calm that's down. my thought. You're, that's you're, my thought. <laughs> Aaron Donald's already Zoom here. Back is better than Aaron Donald. Okay, all right. I see. I see you're making a heel turn here. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm not. That's not really something that any sane person can like angrily argue against even though I disagree because they're both so good um I think the problem is if you have both of them and you're paying both of them you got a lot of money locked up in two guys and the Rams have already put in money on Brandon Cooks on Todd Gurley and a massive payday for Goff is coming down the line it it, financially it would have been hard to make that work but I wouldn't have hated it because the having Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack next to each other is just a goddamn problem that is going to cause problems for everybody forever. And even if the rest of the defense is just draft picks and minimum guys, you got those guys, those two guys up front, you always got a chance. But in a sport like football, you need a lot. I don't don't necessarily disagree, but I think the moves they made this offense, they did kind of push all their chips in with trading picks for Marcus Peters, grabbing to keep Khalib, bringing in the Dominican Sue on a one-year deal, trading their first-round pick for Cooks, giving Donald all that money. You know, the Raiders clearly weren't pushing all their chips on the table because instead of paying the man, they traded him for a, a decent package in return. But as you can see, they're not, they don't care about winning at this moment. And it's going to be a long road for them through this Gruden contract. Um, 
real quick before we get to the Rams game, I want to wrap up our NFC preview here. I want to – this isn't really a preview. I want to get your take on who you think is going to win the East and the North because I think in the South the Saints are going to pull away. Carolina's going to be in there. But I think those two teams are kind of set as – or in that conversation. The East is kind of wide open, and the North is also kind of wide open. Hey, who, do you, who do you got in those divisions? I think we'll start with the North because the, there's really a big question mark. Does Dalvin Cook ever play this season? Dude, I don't um, know. I hate owning I, fantasy right now. Yeah, I have him on two teams. I, I got screwed. I had the 12th pick in two leagues, so it's like uh, I didn't really have much choice. But my thought is that I think he's okay. I think he's actually fine right now, but they're just giving him – they wanted to give him one extra week just to make sure, you know, hey, like we don't want him running into someone and just really ruining this because they're they're a Super Bowl contender. Um, I think their performance against the Rams shows that they can play at a high level. But I'm going to go Vikings. And, and Green Bay just does not look like themselves – Chicago, I, I can't pick a team that'll lose to a Miami team with their backup quarterback, Brock Osweiler, though he is a bear killer. I mean, if you look, he's won. I think with every team he's been, he's beaten the Bears, which is, I think, hilarious. Um, but so that so that's my that's my pick in the North. The East, I think, is really interesting. Um, I, I can't pick the Redskins because I I think Alex Smith sucks. I don't like their wide receivers. I think Adrian Peterson's too old at running back. Um, I I think it's going to be the Eagles. They've struggled. They'll get the rhythm back. Doug Peterson's a good enough coach. They'll figure it out. I think they trade for a running back as well, potentially Le'Veon Bell. I mean, if he doesn't show up this week, I think they trade for him. Um, Pittsburgh's going to want to get something. Uh, Then what was the other one we're talking about? No, those were, I think the South is kind of – you agree it's kind of just the Saints division to lose. But I hate the – I hate picking the Saints. I think they look horrible. It's like they they go out and play some games, and I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, do you guys want to win? So – That offense I, is just so deep, though, man. They got a lot of talent on that offense. Best wide receiver in the NFL, Michael Thomas. Hot take. Okay. I think just his ability to catch. I think I saw some stat. He's caught the ball like ninety six percent of the time. It's absurd. He's up there. I I'd, I'd probably go Hopkins right now if I had to pick one. But I think Tom. He's put himself into that group of Hopkins, Beckham, Brown, Julio. After his madness right play against the Cowboys, <laughs> who Odell? He literally was hidden. It was hidden the circle button. Oh, <laughs> oh Hopkins, right? Yeah, Hopkins. Yeah, that, that was wild. Disgusting. He's he's a beast, man. He's he's an absolute beast. Um, I literally agree with you on all these divisional picks. I think in the East, I, I'm just not confident in Dallas or Washington or obviously the Giants to make anything happen. I think the Eagles, they're clearly good. I think they should trade for running back. I think McCoy's more likely because he'll cost much less. But in the, I don't in the, think so. You don't think so? I think I think, dude, Pittsburgh is in a bad. It's they're kind of in a Jimmy Butler situation where it's like he's basically said he's not going to be there. And, yeah. And honestly, if I'm Pittsburgh, I don't want him. I don't want him to play the seat. I, I, I trade him because he's just become a cancer. 
I, yeah, with how Connor, Connor's kind of had a little comeback after a slump, I, I think you should trade him. And I think the Eagles are the team that should trade for him. I think it's a, a smart move. But the problem is I don't know if the Eagles are going to want to pay him. I don't know if that's I don't know if I see that happening. But, I think they're looking for a long-term back. I and and the only reason why I say not no to McCoy is because I've heard reports that the Bills are unwilling to trade him to the Eagles. Yeah, I don't I don't get why they would be. They're they're not going anywhere this year. If you could get a pick back for an aging running back when you're a rebuilding team, yeah, I think that's a move you got to make. But I, I don't know if the Bills think they're rebuilding. I I that's yeah I agree with you. I I think there's a chance that they think. They could push for the playoffs with Nathan Peterman right now. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. That is literally the most and, – and the sad thing is you're right. He shouldn't be in the NFL. So He literally he doesn't even look like he should have played college football. That's how bad he looks. Like I watch him play and I know we're not talking – this isn't Bill's talk. But that <laughs> is the worst football player I've ever seen in my entire life. He makes Trent Dilfer look like a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't know what's more shocking, the fact that they made the playoffs last year or the fact that they have two wins this season. It, it's, like, baffling how, like, uh, Sean McDermott, should you get a lifetime contract? Because the fact that he got them to the playoffs last year and has gotten them two wins with this team is just unbelievable. I'd <laughs> fire him, actually. I think he is one of the worst coaches ever solely on the fact that he has kept Nathan Peterman on the team. <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with you. Like there's better quarterback there or like trade for RG three. I'd yeah. rather have RG three than Nathan Peterman as my backup. It says a lot that they signed AJ McCarron. He was probably going to be the starter day one. And then they got a fifth round pick offered and they were just like done done like say no more we're getting a fifth round pick back for this guy let's do it like that didn't he get cut from whatever team traded for him oakland i yeah, didn't cut him wait yeah they did i forgot they did i've, I've definitely talked about that uh on this podcast before the fact that they traded a third round pick for martavis bryant who obviously was different circumstances then traded a fifth he, for aj they McCarran. Him again. yeah but they just caught them both, like, when I did that podcast. I was like, what the hell are they doing? In the same week that they Reggie traded McKenzie, I, I can't Mack. believe he has quit, to be honest. I, I can't you believe You know it. he's like, why am I here? <laughs> Gruden's got nine more years and $9 million. Uh, uh, last, last point on the NFC Divisional races. I think Chicago, you know, I like where they're going, but they end the season with the Rams, the Packers, and I believe the Vikings. Yeah, they got the 49ers mixed in there. But those are the last four games. They're going to need to beat the teams that they should beat. And losing to Brock Osweiler proves that you might not be able to do that. So I, I think it's hard to take them super seriously. Um, I really like the Vikings. I think they're really good. They obviously gave the Rams a hell of a game. And Green Bay is Green Bay. There's a chance to end up winning the division. They got Rodgers. You're always in the mix. But... I think it'll end up finishing Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, and, and I think it'll be close. So, if, if if the Bears don't lose that game to Miami, I would have potentially picked them. If they had played better, not like a dumpster fire, I would have potentially picked them. I think I still would have picked Minnesota, but I would have been would have been a way lot higher on them. Yeah, I'd probably lock them in to be a playoff team right now if they won that game, and they didn't. They lost to Brock Osweiler. That's 
that's telling for a young team like them that, you know, this is kind of their first rodeo and being a legit team. You got to beat the teams that you should be. And the Rams had that problem so many times during the Jeff Fisher years. It's why they kept finishing 7-9 and nine, because they kept losing these games to teams they shouldn't and then go to Seattle and beat a Super Bowl contender. That's That was yeah. kind of the, the wave. All right. We're going to get to this Rams 49ers preview in a second. But first, we're going to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Zip code there is 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows who sent you. He knows he's getting a knowledgeable fan. You're going to discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to Sal's shop is worth it. Not only just to enjoy all the Rams mellow beer there, but Sal also provides that old-school barbershop experience talking Rams football and more. Trust me, guys, you're not going to regret hitting up the Golden Ram, and he's going to make you look good. All right, Chris, I'm going to give you the floor for a minute to tell us about your beloved 49ers and how you feel about the team in this struggling injury-ridden season. Um, Super, the Green Bay... Every game has pretty much impressed me. Um, I think I think it shows how good of a coach Kyle Shannon Shanahan is. I mean, basically, when you when you don't have your A players, it shows your coaching prowess. And he doesn't have his A players or his B players, just because. I mean, you literally do not have your top running back, your top quarterback, um, your wide receivers are all banged up. Just, just your left tackle Joe Staley, I think, has been out. Like, just no chance in winning. And to come out and look that, you know, competitive versus a Green Bay team at home this time of year, uh, I think it speaks volumes to how good of a coach and what he's done with that team. He's done a hell of a job, and their biggest loss is a eleven point loss to the best team or the best team in the AFC, the Chiefs. Then in the game that Garoppolo got injured. So, I mean, their last three games, they lost the Chargers by two. They lost to the Cardinals by ten. Not a great look, but I think that was a game Arizona knew they had to win so they could take the pressure off of not having a winless season anymore. And they lost to Green Bay Monday night in a dogfight by three points. This is a team that is going to continue to play top. As you mentioned, Shanahan's clearly proving he's a good coach. A lot of guys in the team are going to be earning roster spots for a long time. I think CJ Beathard is going to have a career in this league for a while. Clearly, you know, I don't see him being a starter anytime soon, but he's going to end up being like the Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick, even maybe Case Keenum type. Now he just kind of shows up every couple of years and you're like, Oh yeah, there he is. CJ Beathard. I think he deserves a starting shot. He might. You know, he's not bad, but... Look at the team he's playing with and how he's performing. I, I'm impressed with him. He's got he's got something called grit. And <laughs> uh, I, you look at the hits that he took against San Diego, uh, LA Chargers, and it's just like, man, this guy's got something. He He's a football guy. And, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best. 
I don't think he'll be a starter for long in San Francisco, but he'll be one of the top backups in the league probably. And uh, the the one thing I will say is that that Arizona game, disgusting how many first downs they had and still lost. I think they had like thirty one first downs, and the and and the Cardinals had like eleven. So they way outplayed the Cardinals. They should have smoked them. Just inability to finish in the red zone. Definitely been there as a Rams fan. Um, yeah, I they're a decent. Uh, you know the the team around Beathard on offense is. I think they're sneaky underrated. I think Kittle's a solid tight end. Goodwin's back. Obviously, we saw on Monday Night Football. Goodwin's a very solid receiver. There's a reason he was kind of building up a lot of hype as like the sleeper in fantasy football. Yeah, you're right. They had 33 first downs opposed to 10 Cardinals first downs. They won the time of possession 40 to 20. How did they lose? Oh, they had five turnovers. That'll do it. Yeah. And Arizona so. had none. Yeah, that'll do it. Yes. <laughs> that kind of sums up the Cardinals season. That that's the one game they won. But yeah. <laughs> this game, it clearly, after that Packers game, this clearly has all the makings of a trap game for the Rams. Now, Seattle did too, and I don't think the Rams are going to fall for this trap. I have faith. They've, they've grinded out two tough wins on the road. This is the third game on a three-game road trip. It's going into a tough divisional opponent who's desperate for wins, who's played three really tough games in a row and come out on the other side. They're they're desperate for a win here. It's a banged-up roster, but it's a lot of guys that are playing tough. And in a way, I'm glad that they had such a good game against Green Bay because if they got blown out by Green Bay, I think the Rams would be completely looking past this game. But after that performance, they, there's no way a team could look past them right now, even even with the record. I agree. I think I, – I, I don't think anyone's taking the 49ers lightly. Um, I think they're just good enough that they keep keep it close with these teams. And so I kind of expect that to be the type of game. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. We'll see. I mean, I think uh, – I'm going to predict a score. I think the Rams are going to throw up 37. What do you I'm got the 49ers scoring? I think they're going to throw up 28. Maybe 30. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll go 31. Robbie Gould gets one field goal in there. Okay. He gets lucky. I'll go for my prediction on this game. I'm going to go 30 to 17. I think it's the kind of game where it it's it's close but not too close the whole game. You know, maybe like a 7 to 10 point lead for the Rams most of the game. The 49ers, they hang in there. They're a tough team. I, I think the defense is going to struggle because you know, the Rams defense has been – or. Sorry, the Rams' offense has obviously been one of, if not the best in the league this year. And outside of that Arizona game, the 49ers' defense hasn't looked great. They've they've given up the lowest total point total they've given up this year is 24. So, given that's against the Minnesota team, who is very good, I think they will keep it close. I think they'll keep it tough. But I, even with the trap scenario. I still I can't say that I expect the Rams to lose this game. This this should be a win, and they'll move on to they'll go back home seven and zero hopefully. But you know who has a bad game this week? Todd Gurley. Okay. Why do you think that? Just, I I, just I really feeling? like San Francisco's D line. Yeah. Eric Armstead, DeForest Bruckner, Solomon Thomas. 
Solomon Thomas may be hurt, but man, when I watched them play the Chargers, I was like, whoa. Even Melvin Gordon was struggling to get a lot, and um, I think he's one of those. I think he's one of the best pass receiving backs, and I know Gurley's good at it too, but I, I just think he's better at it, and that was kind of the only way he was really able to get yards. Yeah, San Francisco fourteenth best rushing defense in the league in terms of yards, but considering who they played, which they, they played Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, and David Johnson. That ain't bad at all. And also considering the record, you know, the I I think 14th is pretty good. And I think last week Todd Gurley was destroying the Denver defense every time he got the ball, and the Rams still chose to throw a decent amount. I think this week without Cooper Cup, I think they're going to throw a little bit more. I think they're going to try and get, as I mentioned earlier with Derek, they're going to try and get Josh Reynolds involved, kind of make him feel like a part of the offense with Cup out and. It'll be interesting to see how how they play this game. Considering uh, they're six and zero, this is going to be one of the, even though it's not a team to look past and they're a tough opponent. It's going to be one of the weaker opponents they play for up until the bye week. They have the Packers coming up. They have the Chiefs coming up. They have the Saints coming up. This is a game. It feels like it could be a game where they slip up, but I I have no reason to believe that this team is capable of slipping up right now, given how they've played. So I'm feeling good. All right, I think we could wrap up this podcast here. Chris, we're going to give a shout-out to our podcast, Tejas and Little Stevie, which we're going to record a quick episode when we wrap this up, and you know, you'll hear a little bit of this podcast in there too. You can find Tejas and Little Stevie on iTunes, and you could find us on Twitter at Tejas Little Stevie. If you don't understand how to spell what I'm saying, follow me on Twitter at Steve Barrel. You'll find a link up to there. Follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com Rams Talk. And, of course, follow us on all our platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and Spotify. Chris, you got anything you need to plug? Tejas and Little Stevie. Uh, New York Times gave it five stars. Best radio show uh, or news podcast in 2018. So give it a, give it a listen. You may enjoy. Yeah, New York Times, if you want to debunk that. Feel free, uh, but until they do, I'm going to stay here and say that actually happened. All right, we will talk to you guys next week. type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.